Hey, I'm Tracy Burns. I'm a financial advisor with UBS. This podcast is called Five Things. You're going to learn five things and then you're going to move on with your life because we all have stuff to do these days. I am on this mission to help women through divorce, through transition, to help empower them. I have a super soft spot for female entrepreneurs, female founders, and of course, small businesses. And closing this wage gap already, I have three teenagers, two are girls, so I have a personal interest in that. This podcast is a small piece of helping us all get there. So before we dive into today, please listen to some of the previous podcasts. We did the five things your business should be thinking about now, or the five people you should be surrounding yourself with. I interviewed Cindy Eckert. She's a self-made billionaire, and she gave us this list of these five great things, and one of them is actually to be quirky, which is fantastic. And of course, we recently did one on why cash is queen. You have, there's more than five reasons, but there's five reasons why cash is queen. Today, I'm super excited because I have this, I have this fascination with entrepreneurs and the process and how you get from the germination of an idea to this business with like your name on the wall. So today we're going to talk about the five things you need to do before you even launch, before you start burning capital, before you even ask for capital. Lisa Lefebvre is here with me right now, founder of Men Together and a cancer survivor, which is super important to the story. I'm not just saying it um, and exploiting you by any stretch. Thank you for taking the time to be here. And you caught my attention and my heart when we first talked because you were experiencing this horrific, horrible thing. You found a void in the process and decided basically to launch a business around it. Yes, <laughs> Tracy, I did. Um, I was working as a marketing consultant to McKinsey and Chanel and Mercedes and The Economist and uh, organizations like that. And at the same time, I was going through cancer on and off at the same time. I was diagnosed at 38 with a BRCA1 mutation. Um, so I had um, I had a, a lumpectomy in both breasts. Uh, I had then got some cysts on my ovaries, so I had my ovaries removed. Um, I had five years to get a preventive mastectomy since I was at such high risk for it to come back. And um, at year four and a half, I got cancer again. I had been postponing it because I was young and, and it was something I was avoiding, even though I really knew it was important for my health. But um, we missed that window. So I got cancer again. Um, so I went through a mastectomy. Um, chemo and radiation, also went through chemo and radiation uh, throughout the process and some hormone earlier and some hormone treatments. And so I was in and out um, of being sick and going through recovery for the last 15 years. Um, and so I just can't saw this just big need out there that was just kind of eating away at me, this opportunity to figure out a way to help people um, when they're diagnosed with a, a difficult medical condition where you need support from people, you don't really know what to do, you're too shy to ask for help, you feel guilty asking for help, that your needs change every day, you don't really know what you need. And then on the flip side, you have your friends and family who don't know what to say or do or give and feel just as paralyzed. So I created a company. Um, it's called Men Together. Um, it's a it's a social platform um, for people going through cancer and everybody who loves them. You know, nobody knows what to do when someone gets married or has a baby. Um, um, or sorry, everybody knows what to do. Although not, that's not necessarily true either, because if you're not, if you don't have kids yourself or you're not married, thank God for the registry, right? Because yeah. I wouldn't know what to get someone. Yeah. But I think like, I think this whole notion that you're in the midst of like, 
all this horribleness and your brain is still thinking, one, I have to figure out a way to help other people. And two, now I'm going to go launch a business. I just think like that little nugget right there is, is so inspirational for so many people that are probably feeling like the world is coming to an end. Yeah, it's, there's something called post-traumatic growth, um, and 85% of cancer patients have that, fortunately. Um, and my post-traumatic growth was, you know, turning all the insight um, I had learned, you know, the difference between pain and suffering, going through this, and had so many different experiences. So I used that knowledge to, you know, raise some funds, build a terrific team um, with a great set of investors behind us, and then we've built, a, you know, a company that's like a gift gift registry for cancer patients. There's a community journal so you can keep everybody updated at the same time. And then a volunteer calendar so you can you know, coordinate offers of help. And it's just all on one platform. So that's what we've been building and, and have launched. It's amazing. And again, this hits home for me because cancer totally invaded my family last year. Mm. Um, my aunt passed from pancreatic, but she fought mm. the fight for four solid years. And I will tell you, my, you know, her daughter, my cousin, my best friend on the planet, you just never know what to do. Yeah. I had no idea. This was new to me. This was new to all of us, right? We didn't know what to do. I, you know, in hindsight, I almost wish that we knew of this because we could yeah. have organized, you know, my poor cousin was at every treatment and like we could have helped her out. We could have figured it. People don't want to ask for help though. That's why I think this is so fantastic because you don't have to ask. You could just go to the site, right? And sign up. We make it so much easier for people to both ask for help and people to offer help. And we guide people on, on what to do and, and how to do it. It's amazing. Well, we also, in the process, we're talking about the things you learned and the things you, you did before you even launched the business. And, I, and this, I think, female founders, entrepreneurs everywhere, even if you have this germ of an idea, this stuff is so important because... I just, I just did a podcast with Rebecca Minkoff the other day as well. And she said, I don't know why everyone thinks the first thing to do is to go get VC money. That's like Agreed. the last thing on the list. Yes. Right. And so Agreed. you came up with these five fabulous things that people should do before you start burning cash, before the business is even launched. Right. Yep. And one of them, I think that's so important is this notion of this deep cultural immersion. You have to tell us about this, but you're basically saying, truly get to know the, in, the business, the industry you're diving into. Yeah. I think everybody talks about what do you do when you're launching your business? Nobody talks about what do you do before? I think the pre-planning, the preparation is really important because once you take on funds, most of us take on funds from friends and family first, and then we raise a, a venture round or, or, or some um, other types of money. But the pressure to crush it is constant once you take on those funds. So now is the time if you have the luxury of having a job already um, or you can just find a way to fund yourself as you're working through these things. First of all, I think it's really important if you're not coming from the startup world, if you're coming from the startup world, doesn't matter. You've been through the trenches. You know what it's like. But if you haven't ever built a techn technical product from scratch, I think it's really important to get a really deep cultural immersion into, you know, what is valued and and how to behave uh, in a startup world because it's very different than corporate America. It's it's a complete 180. Um, and so there are a couple of newsletters that I absolutely love. One is from First Round, um, and the other is from NFX. Um, both are VCs. They pump out terrific content 
very frequently. Um, I would highly suggest signing up for that and reading everything else in their library that they've they've got backlogged. Um, another great um, resource is um, Blitzscaling. Reed uh, Hoffman is uh, author of that book. He also has a, a podcast called Masters of Scale. Um, your podcast is really terrific. I've listened to a lot of yours as well. They're fantastic. Um, and then the last thing I would recommend, because you're going to be doing a lot of negotiating with teams and especially investors, there's a terrific book um, called Never Split the Difference, which was written by the former FBI, head of the FBI um, hostage negotiations. Um, so those are kind of the resources that really helped me kind of get my sea legs um, as I was going through this. But I love this because this is like you're preparing, you're thinking smart through this, right? Like I, I applaud entrepreneurs that say, I have this great idea and it's going to be the next like whatever, right? I, I think that is amazing. It takes guts. And actually, when you and I were prepping for this, you said the most amazing thing to me. You said that being an entrepreneur is 100, this is a quote, 100 times harder than going through cancer craziest thing I've ever heard in my whole yeah, life. Yeah. And I had, I, to, to all the other cancer people out there, I, I'm not minimizing the cancer experience. I had times of course when not. I was paralyzed from the waist down. Um, it was only 24 hours, but you know, I, I couldn't walk more than a block. I mean, I really got beat up by my chemo treatments very badly, but I will tell you the, the pressure, um, and the hardship from this is it's very different. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's rough. So if, if you're thinking about, starting your own company, you know, the, I think the, the media glamorizes it a lot and yes. it, yes. all it is, is a bunch of really, really hard, stressful work. Um, and the thing that keeps me going on it is, you know, we're building a social good company. So I firmly believe in that, um, you know, we're not for profit disguised as a for profit, but, um, yeah, it's just, just be prepared and know that it's a slog. To me, it's, it's just so awe inspiring. And so one of the things that you say your next thing to do is, to network early. Yes. Network, network, network. And I love this because, yes, it's about getting out there and just talking. Now, I'm going to, before I let you dive in, how, isn't there a fine line, though, between saying, I have this great idea and worrying about someone stealing it? I think if you're, that's a great, I think it depends upon what you're building. If you're building a B2B SaaS product, um, you know, I suppose, or a consumer product, sure. But it's, how are you executing it? You know, I'm a marketer. We're all about branding. Like I furiously believe that I can outmarket anybody. Um, and so that someone else might be able to build a technical product, um, but are they going to build it with the insights or the experience, the gain from going through cancer, being a marketer, all of those things. So I think if you have confidence in your own ability and you feel like your talent is a strategic advantage that nobody else can top, then you go for it, you know. If, I love if, it. if your idea is a dime a dozen, then yeah, maybe that's something you need to worry about. And then you may, maybe you need to rethink your whole theory then, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and, and that goes along with your next one, which is practice your investor pitch. And that's, and the time to do it is clearly before you get in front of the investors, right? Yeah. I think practicing your investor pitch, you know, is, is really important working on your deck. Um, there is a really fantastic resource that I'd really like to emphasize and call out for female founders. Um, a, a woman named Allison Byers has built a platform called Scrubius, um, S-C-R-O-O-B-I-U-S. -S um, and they're a platform um, 
giving female founders uh, an opportunity to get in front of other investors, but also in a really interesting way through video. And, and they coach you through how to write your deck, how to present your deck. So it's a, it's a home run in terms of it's a free resource. I think everybody should do this. They're a fantastic group. Yeah, I really love them. And part of that, you know, a practicing your investor pitch is lining up, you know, n- your network early. So you need two prongs of networks. You need investors. You need warm introductions into investors. Cold outreach simply doesn't matter. So if you don't have social social capital built up in the venture community or with other founders who can introduce you to their investors, that is job one. The other job one <laughs> is to line up your tech team, you know, and if you're a technologist and you probably already have people in your network, if you don't, then you need to vet people very thoroughly. You're going to need a CTO. You can't raise money without a CTO. You're going to need someone to design the site. So a UX and a UI person, you're going to need a product person. Those people are high demand. They're really hard to find. And as a non-technical founder, they're very hard to vet. So I would take that very, very seriously and get that lined up before you, you know, are even thinking about taking on funds so that you have those people standing in the wings. That's such a great tip and point because like, if you don't have, if you don't have good tech these days, you don't have anything. Yeah. Right. And I did it backwards. I lined up the money and then I found the people and I wished I did it the other way around. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, Your fourth point is your brand positioning and you're doing that again before before you even start spending money, how? Yes. You, first of all, the thing, brand positioning and marketing is like the foundation of a house. So if you don't have a stable foundation or basement, everything you build on top of it is, is not going to hold up. So brand positioning is talking about who are you talking to and what are you telling them? Um, it's it's basic, uh, basically about your target audience and your messaging and why people should believe you. You can download these forms on the internet they're all kind of similar to one another. The, you know, there's, there's, there's one method and it works. And that's why everybody has iterated on that. Um, so I wouldn't get so hung up on that, but just find a brand positioning framework that you like. I have one that I like. Um, and then if you, if you're not a marketer, I would get a marketer in your corner to help you think through that. The best person I know uh, at this in the world, uh, her name is Jill Linton, uh, Jill with a G. Um, you can find her on LinkedIn. I would reach out to her, tell her you've heard about her on this podcast. And for a very small fee, um, she can help you think through your brand positioning. And that's another thing. It'll help you with your investor deck. It'll help you in recruiting and hiring people. And the more complicated product you have, the more you need that. That's really important. It's like knowing your why, right? I mean, even I have to know my why. As a financial advisor, there's a billion of me. So what's my why, right? And I think that we all need to, no matter what we do in this world, whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a corporate job, what's your why? And I don't think we spend enough time truly figuring that out. I think I that's, think that's super, really smart, Tracy, and yeah, I agree I with that. Yeah, I think it's a great exercise. And finally, you say, do not hit your spending until the last possible moment. So, so when, when then? When do you finally dive in? You After you have all of these things buttoned up um, and then, you know, if you've taken on funds, that doesn't mean you should be spending them. I mean, the clock starts ticking the minute you take them on. So we did a rolling close, meaning we spent money as we took it on. 
Um, and that worked out. It was also it was also a little rough because we sometimes didn't have any more than 30 or 60 days of cash to plan with, but it always worked out. The universe was always smiling at us and we were all, always very tenacious. Um, but, you know, once your burn starts, there's going to be the pressure to add people, to, to add expenses. And so I would just, you know, dual, dual job as long as you can um, and get your teammates to do that with you. Um, Sometimes you can get people to do that. Sometimes you can't. You have to pay them. But I would really delay um, starting, you know, burning down that money until you are have done absolutely everything you could before you absolutely have to spend money. I think you make such a great point here that all of a sudden you're going to have people to answer to. Like, I, you know, I think it sounds so glamorous. I got VC money. But now you actually have, like, you know, big brother or sister looking down on you saying, and what are you doing with my money? And where are the results? It's almost like when big companies, you know, make decisions about whether or not to go public because they don't want to have to file with the SEC and report and things like that. Same thing, only on a smaller scale, right? Yes. And I would also say, I mean, at least from my perspective is, is these are human beings who are trusting you with their hard-earned capital. And also, you know, I take that very, very seriously. When I talked about this being a hundred times harder than cancer, I mean, I took on money from my friends and family and I don't have rich friends and family. And the thought of losing their money and not launching successfully was uh, I, something that you know, made my tummy hurt all the time. Right. I, I was not going to let them down. And so these are people's hard-earned assets, you know. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it, yes, it's, it's, it's you have accountability, but also you have this responsibility of people trusted you. In, they trusted um, in your vision. They trust you to spend that capital wisely. And it's a serious responsibility, I think, for ethical reasons as much as any other. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay. So before I let you go, like, give us the, you know, what's the, uh, what's the future look like for men together? What do, where do you see it going? Oh, we are so excited. Um, we have so many partnerships with cancer organizations, um, that are helping us spread the word. Uh, we are constantly rolling out new features on our website. Um, we are looking, we've got early people registered with registries. We're so excited to be helping people, um, our future is, to, to me, very bright. I mean, it just, again, feels so good to work on a, on a social good organ, you know, company and mission and, and you know, every, all of our hard work and, and efforts are going to help people's lives be better. So it just feels great. Yeah, because sadly, cancer is not going anywhere. Um, so why not do what we can to make it better for other people? The website is mentogether.com, all one word, mentogether.com. Um, Lisa, I, I can't even tell you how inspirational I think you are because, like I said in the beginning, the fact that you took something so horrific and turned it into something that's going to help people, hopefully for a really, really long time, is awe-inspiring. Thank you. I just really feel like cancer was a terrific gift I was given, and I would be glad to get it again. I think it made me a better person, and it helped me... Um, create a platform to help other people, which is something I've always wanted to do in my life. And so again, I don't think I didn't, I didn't like getting cancer the second time, <laughs> but I really felt like getting it the first time. It really just gave me pause in my life. Like what's really important and all of our time on life is very precious. So how are we going to use our time and our talents? And that's really important things um, to be considering and thinking about, I think. That's amazing. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tracy. 
presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. In providing wealth management services to clients, we offer both investment advisory and brokerage services, which are separate and distinct and differ in material ways. For information, including the different laws and contracts that govern, visit UBS.com forward slash working with us. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, SIPC.